Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Are you ready to get into tonight? Did you come ready? I know, again, we didn't have any songs for tonight for you to sing. And so are you ready just to jump right into it? Or you got to kind of shake it off in it? You need to run around the room a little bit just to get yourself in the state of mind to, to be ready? All right, well, let's just jump into this tonight. If you recall the last few weeks on the Wednesday evenings, we've been talking about the authority that belongs to a believer. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to set us free from sin. He came to restore us back to the place that God originally made man. And so if you recall, there was a couple of verses that we shared with you. One from Revelation that says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So the Bible tells us that you and I are supposed to be overcomers. If you don't feel like you're overcoming, then you just haven't found out who you are lately. You don't know what God came to do for you because he said, I've come that you would become an overcomer. And it says that they overcame him, meaning the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So in other words, there's a God side and there's a man side. So oftentimes we're waiting for God to do everything and saying, God, what you waiting for? Why don't you do something about this? And the Bible says that God did something, but it was in the effort to empower you to have something to say. And so your side to connect with God is to exercise your words and that which you believe. We also saw in Isaiah, it says, God told us, he says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together that you might be acquitted. So he says, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance of what? My word. What does my word say? What have I promised you? What have I told you in times past? Put me in remembrance of my word. How many of you know that God has some things to say to you? His word is full of his promises, full of the things that he desires for you. And so therefore, in order for us to put him in remembrance, we got to know what the word says, right? I mean, you can't put somebody in remembrance of something that you never heard him say. Right? And the second part of that verse, it says, let, the, let us plead together. Well, what are we pleading? We're pleading our case through what God said. And God says now, Jesus said, let us plead together. So in other words, he's wanting to partner with you. He's wanting to come in alignment with you. And he's not coming or wanting you to come to him and say, remind me because I forgot. He's saying, remind me so that you and I can come into agreement and plead your case before the Father. Amen? Well, what is it that I'm pleading my case upon? Once again, I'm pleading my case based upon the Word of God. So, when I think about just that example, the the thought that came to my mind is that any time that I've ever made my kids promises, and I mean, if I thought hard enough, I could probably come up with something just real recent. But if I've ever said something to them or made them a promise, they will come to me and remind me of that, 
right? Dad, you said. But then they will go on not just to remind me, but to pleading. Hey, Dad, remember you said. Hey, Dad, is it time yet? Hey, Dad, remember what you said? Hey, Dad, you know you can't uh, back out of that because you told me, right? They won't get off of it. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that's got kids like that? Maybe all yours are perfect little angels. I mean, (laughs) mine are too, but, you know, they just have a way of reminding me. So, again, they're going to come and they're going to plead the case and say, Dad, don't you remember? Dad, here's what you said. Dad, here's what you said. To the point where I'm going to have to say, I did say that. Now, let's get in agreement. Let's make that happen. What they're going to do. Thank you, Dad. Oh, Dad, you're the best, right? So God's wanting us to plead our case, put him in remembrance, and that which we're putting him in remembrance of, once again, is his word. Okay? So let's just set that to the side for just a minute, that thought. What I want you to hold on to in just that which I've shared thus far is that it's his word that we cling to. It's his word that we have a defense It's his word that we have something to come to God with and say, God, remember, this is what you've said. Therefore, it produces an expectation on the inside of us, right? Okay, so set that to the side. If you recall last week, we talked about the fact that God made man in his image and in his likeness. So in other words, God made us to be like him. And then as he's making man... The Bible says that God says to man, now have dominion and subdue it or subdue creation. That word dominion is authority. The word subdue means to conquer. So the very beginning when God created man, he says, I'm making you like me. I'm making you in my image. And therefore, Once you have operated in this place or to operate like me, you're going to have dominion, but there are going to be, or there's going to be something that opposes your authority. So enforce it, right? Does that make sense? Your children will come against a mom and dad and saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to do my own thing. No, I said, this is the rules. No, I'm going to do my own thing. So what do I have to do? I have to subdue my kids. This is what I said and this is what's going to be, right? He says there's going to be something that opposes you. But then we said this, that there's something very significant in how God made man. Not only did he make man in his image and his likeness, but then the Bible says this, that God breathed into man and he became a living being. We said really what it represents is that man became a living spirit. The physical body, God breathed his very nature and characteristic of who he was and who he is on the inside of man. But for so long, we've had this mentality because it says that God breathed in his nostrils. So we've had this idea that God stood over his creation of man and put his mouth on him and goes... And there he is. He's alive and I breathed into him. Well, man wasn't a balloon that God had to physically breathe into him. So what was it that God did 
in the context of breathing into him. Well, we know what he breathed into him was the very life and nature of God. But in the consistency of how God functioned, when he made everything, the Bible said he spoke or said something, right? So if remember, remembering what Jesus said, Jesus said this in John six sixty three. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. He also said, those that find my word find life. Those that find my word find life. So in real, the, the, the actual terms of what God did, he didn't physically blow air into him. He spoke into man and said, man be and man was. It was through his words that he brought life and made man a living spirit. Are you tracking? What did man become himself? He became a living spirit that possessed a body. And the one significant thing about us is that now you and I are a speaking spirit. We have a physical body. We possess a soul, but we are a spirit. Do you recall the Apostle Paul? He said this. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Recall that? Well, to be present with the Lord, but you're absent from the body, what does that mean? It means the real you is with God. And the only way that you can go into outer space is if you have a space suit. So in other words, the only way that you can live in this earth is if you have an earth suit, which is this physical body. You tracking? All right, so when we look at the epistles and the writings of the Apostle Paul, there's something that is very uh, significant in that which he's trying to convey to the church. And theologians and scholars have looked at this for years and, and taught in the Bible colleges and said, we see what Paul is writing, and I think there's over 120 times that Paul references the spirit of a man, and in the Greek it's called the pneuma, the pneuma of a man. And theologians would say, we see Paul talking about this pneuma, but we don't understand what he's talking about. If we could unlock what Paul's talking about in this pneuma, we could unlock the mysteries of the epistles. The pneuma that Paul was talking about was that man is a spirit. Amen? You're a spirit that possesses a body. And so therefore, once again, understanding that when we receive Christ, we became born again, not of the natural man. You looked the same the moment you received Christ, didn't you? Did anything physically change on the outside? No. Still had gray hair, still had a mustache. You're still a man or a woman. Everything on the outside, you're still good looking, still ugly, whatever. You stayed the same on the outside, right? It's the inward man that was changed. It was born again. It was made new. Why? Because you heard the word of God, and the word of God brought life, and life was made new on the inside. He was transformed. So along with those lines, understanding that once again, God's word is his spirit, or I should say his word uh, uh, is his, uh, the life of God is in his word. And we could also say it this way, his word is his voice. 
the Word of God becomes His voice. So many times say, well, I've never heard the voice of God. If you've ever read your Bible, you heard God speaking to you. Right? How was it that you received salvation? It was through hearing God's voice talking about His salvation plan. Right? And so we're talking about the context of prayer here. Let's bring it into the context of what we're talking about. Once again, His Word is life. His Word gives us the platform by which we can go to God and plead with Him or bring Him into remembrance of what He said. But prayer is a dialogue of Him wanting to talk to you as well. And so many times, as I said, we're, we're struggling to hear the voice of God, but His Word is His voice. And if we don't get ourselves into the Word or have a steady diet of His Word in our lives, we are not familiar with His voice because His Word is life. His Word is Him speaking to, uh, t- to us. Amen? And so... Without His Word, I don't have a platform to plead with Him. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to turn to Romans ten seventeen. I could quote this, but I simply want you to be able to see it for yourself in your own Bibles if you have it. Romans ten seventeen says this. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? The Word of God. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Or in other words, my faith begins to expand and grow because I begin to identify God's voice in my life. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, therefore, if I don't know what His Word says, I don't have a platform to have faith. When I go to God, when I pray about things, if I'm trying to plead with God, if I don't know what His Word has said, all I will do is beg and plead and hope and wish, but there will not be confidence or a faith by which I can confidently plead my case. Turn to 1 John. Many of you will know this one, have heard it before, but just again for the sake of referencing it. 1 John. Chapter. Chapter 3. Let me get there. 1 John. Third John, let me check here. Where do I want to take you here? Okay, first John chapter five. First John chapter five. First John chapter five, starting in verse fourteen, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, 
Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. So remember I talked about the pleading. I'm going to God pleading my case. Well, in order for me to go to God and plead my case, I've got to go to God in faith with a confident expectation. But apart from knowing his word or knowing his voice, I cannot go to God with confidence. Does that make sense? All I'll do is bawl and squall, fuss to the point of making myself sick, saying, God, please do something. God, please. But when I know what his word has said, what his voice has spoken, what his promise is, I can know the will of God. If I know the will of God, I can be confident in my approach with him, knowing that whatever I ask, whatever I plead, whatever I petition, God said, I will do it. Okay, so then that means that if I can know his voice, I can know his promise, that I can come to him confidently, notice how that changes my voice. I'm talking about you exercising your authority as a believer when you pray. Because if I don't know God's will, what do I do? God, I've really messed up. I know I said I'd do that, and I didn't do that. I know I said I'd be in church this week, and I wasn't. And God, I know that I did this, and man, I just... But God, if you could see fit to just help me, man, I really need your help, God. See how you try to qualify it and try to get God to do something based on the merits of your pleading versus coming to God with authority in your voice. Not that you're commanding or demanding of God, but you're presenting His promise and saying... God, let's plead our case together. You said it. That settles it. I believe it. Come on, are you seeing the posture that you have, the difference that you have when it comes to using your authority? Because I know your voice, God. I know your voice. I know your voice. And if I don't know your word, I don't know your voice. If I don't know your word, I can't have something to draw back onto what you've said to me in the times past. Amen. So it goes together. I'm pleading my case based upon the word of God. So I said to you in this regards that you got born again. You received Christ into your life as a result of hearing his word, right? Do you realize that that was extremely supernatural? Meaning that It's something that happened and transformed on the inside. It's something that only God can do, right? All the while, in the natural, everything else has stayed the same. But see, God is wanting to get us back to a place of understanding who we are in Christ so that we exercise our voice in this life and appropriating our authority. When the enemy comes and he says, oh, well, we got something new for you. There's this feeling and sensation and there's this bump that you have on your body. And, you know, it's probably cancer. You probably want to go to the doctor and get that checked out because you're probably going to die here within the next little while. So what do I do? Do I just sit back, ball and squall? Oh, God, the devil's doing something. No, what do I do? I stand up and say, no, I know what the word of God says concerning me. 
You said that you're my healer, so therefore I appropriate. That's what you've done for me. And therefore, devil, you need to just shut up and get on your way because you're not going to bring your junk into my house, right? If you just lay down, the devil will walk over you any time. I remember when, when uh, Grayson, our oldest daughter, again, understanding and discerning some things just in life, just in general, because you realize there are things that just happen. There are things that happen based upon decisions that we make. And then there are just things that just the enemy likes to wreak havoc in your life. Well, there was a time when Grayson, when she was just probably, oh, I don't know, maybe under two years of age. She was maybe even under a, a year, year and a half. I don't know, somewhere in there. But she would wake up in the middle of the night and she, was just, she would be crying. And she was crying for no reason. And there was one time when we went in there and she was crying. And it was just this unsettledness on the inside. Because you would try to calm her down, and she wouldn't calm down. But then when you just checked up on the inside, you're just like, you know what? The devil's just messing with my daughter. Whatever that is, I don't know what it is, whether it's just bad dreams or what, but this is going to stop, and it's going to stop now. And so just holding my little girl, as I'm holding there and she's crying, I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over this tormenting thing. And we just speak peace into our little girl. She will have peaceful rest. She'll not be tormented. And she will be fine now in Jesus' name. And again, I don't know exactly how I prayed, but I'm giving you the gist of it. Do you know that the moment that I said amen and took my authority, she stopped crying on the spot, put her back in bed, and went to sleep and never had that happen again? Why? Because we exercised our authority. Right? See, the enemy will come knocking on your door if you open up the door to him. So shut the door. The Bible says whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So that means that all heaven is waiting for you to come and plead your case so that they can agree with you and get behind you and enforce your authority that you have in this earth. Amen? And so when it comes to our times of prayer, we don't have to come this timidly. We can come with confidence knowing that we're getting some things done. We're getting some heaven's business done right now because we're going to exercise our authority. And so I mentioned to you real briefly, uh, I should say real briefly, I'm going to touch on this in regards to us praying. I said to you that When you're born again or receive Christ, it is something supernatural that takes place on the inside. But we still live in a natural world, right? So here's what Jesus came to do. And this is one of those things that oftentimes the body of Christ has not understood. But he said, listen, now, because I've made you new on the inside... You have authority, you have a voice, but you still remain in this natural world. So I'm going to give you some equipment, some supernatural help that will help you combat and exercise your faith in this natural world. And he says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a spirit language by which you can pray. 
that you can pray in the Spirit, and therefore it's not natural words that are articulated, but as the Scripture talks about praying in other tongues, he says, by me touching your mouth, giving you a supernatural language, you can exercise your authority, not just on the natural level, but on the spiritual level, and therefore when you pray, you can pray exactly what needs to be prayed, even when your intellect doesn't engage or don't know. And for that matter, Again, let me divert to what I said. God has made us and renewed us as a living spirit, right? And so when we function, we don't function our lives from the natural, but from that place of our spiritual position in Christ. Do you remember Paul said this? Paul said this in John 20, or 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said this. Well, let me give you John chapter 4, verse 24 first. Jesus said this. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? Did it say that when you worship God, do it in the natural? Go ahead and put it back up there. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, so if I'm going to worship God in spirit... Do you think I can pray to God in spirit? Sure. What's it talking about? My spirit man. 1 Corinthians. Look what 1 Corinthians says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. Let's see how good he is. Wrong numbers? 414, try that. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. Now... Chapter 14, verse 14. You got that? Is there no chapter? There's a chapter 14. Well, I'll just, I'll I'll read it to you what it says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, Paul said this. What's it say? Okay, it says, for if I pray in a tongue, my what praise? My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice once again, Paul's identifying some things here. When I'm praying, I'm not just praying from my intellect. I'm not just praying from my natural man. He said, when I pray, and I pray in an unknown tongue, he says, my spirit prays. Why? Because I'm a spirit being. And notice it says, My understanding is unfruitful. So have you ever been praying just in the natural? Especially when it's dire times and situations where you're like, I don't know what to pray for. I'm so distraught right now. I don't even know how to pray, right? Why? Because that's your intellect. And then he says this. He says, listen, God's given us a supernatural way for our voice to be exercised, for our spirit to be exercised, for you to exercise your authority that you don't pray from your intellect or just mere man's knowledge, but from the spirit of a man. Amen. And he says, when you do that, he says, you pray out mysteries. You pray out secrets. You pray out hidden things that the natural part of you don't know. Amen. Just real quickly before we pray. What time we got? I don't even. Is it 7.06? All right, good deal. I, I've shared this before in times past. 
But there was a time, and my wife, she's wanting to come back to this and get back to this to where she's got a prayer group of, of just prayers to where when they come together, they just pray and take on assignments and pray out specific things for God. But this was several years back. My wife and I, we had a prayer group that met at our house. And it was back when, uh, who was the president or the, the dictator of Kuwait? What's his name? Gaddafi. Back, no, was it Gaddafi? Was it? Did you say one? Was it Gaddafi? Okay, maybe that's who it was. They don't ring a bell, but was it, was it Gaddafi? Wasn't Bin Laden? Ah, well, when I tell the story, you'll know who it is, and, and if that's Gaddafi, maybe that's the name of the guy. He had the, the big mustache. Is that Gaddafi? Back, back in the early 2000s. So anyways, here's, here's how it was. We just came together as a prayer group, and because of all the things that were going on there in the Middle East, we said, you know what? We're going to begin to pray that they find this guy because he was on the run, and, and they were trying to locate him. And so as we began to pray as a prayer group, we were just praying in our understanding that which we did know, but then we just chose to hook up with our spirit man and pray in our spirit language. And as we began to do that, we began to get information, begin to have understanding. And out loud, I heard myself say this. I said, they will find you like a rat in a hole, and they will catch you quickly. It was Bin Laden. He's the one that got in the hole. All right. Hussein, that's it. I knew, yes, there you go. Saddam Hussein, that was the guy, yes. So, in our prayer time, while he's on the run, as we're praying, out of our mouth, we said, they will find you like a rat in a hole. Do you know how they found him? They found him in a hole, hiding. How did we pray that out? Well, I I just believe that there was many believers that were praying about those kind of things. But we were just taking our part and saying, God, we're going to pray. We're believing you to take care of this guy. And just as God helped us pray it out, it came to pass just as we prayed. We were using our authority. Now, if you also remember just shortly after that, there was that one guy that was, I think it was he and his son, they were uh, uh, shooting people off the expressway. They were like snipering. And they they were just, you know, taking people out at a distance. And so there was this big manhunt for this guy. And so we started praying about that guy. Like, God, this guy can't keep on killing people. We've got to get him. We've got to take him out in prayer. And so as we're praying, we're praying about this guy. And once again, praying in our understanding, but then praying with our spirit, we said, all of a sudden we found ourselves praying, they will find you asleep in slumber. And I don't remember the other things that we said. But do you know how they found him? They found him asleep at a rest area. Well, what happened? We had inside information that we began to pray. We not just prayed with our intellect, with our understanding, but with the spirit of a man saying, God, we're going to get things done in prayer. Why? Because we exercise our authority. What would it look like if we as a people concerning our family, concerning our city, concerning our personal lives, where we would just get in the face of God and say, God, we just believe what you said. And then when the enemy is opposing us, whatever it looks like, say, devil, enough's enough. You're stopping right now. 
and we exercise and use our voice to put the enemy in his place. Amen? And so here's one of the things that I was praying about just prior to coming here tonight. As we pray together, for the sake of just the diversity in the crowd, one of the things that we'll do tonight is we'll just pray in our intellect. We'll pray with our understanding. But I asked the Lord this. I said, Lord, I said, what do you want me to, what do you want us to pray about collectively? And so the first thing that I heard the Lord say is pray about the plan. Well, what's the plan? First of all, as a church, the plan of God for GVC. Well, you say, well, you know what? I don't really want to pray about GVC. I've got my own things to pray about. Well, if you consider this your church, when you pray for GVC, you pray for you, right? The welfare of GVC really aids in the welfare of your own personal life. Then I also heard the Lord say this, strategies. Pray out the strategies. Then increase. Pray in the increase. I believe that this place is going to be filled front to back, side to side, having multiple services. And then the last thing that I heard the Lord say to me, he says, pray for the hearts of people that they would return and that their hearts would be sensitive and that they would be redirected. Hearts would be redirected back to him. Amen? So, with just that direction, let's just allow God to help us pray tonight, corporately, praying concerning those points that God said to pray tonight. And let's just see where it goes. Let's just be attentive to what the Spirit of God is saying in our own spirit. And as we begin to pray those things, things begin to unfold. All right? So I'm going to lead you in prayer so you'll have some direction in that regard. But just hook up with it. You say, how do you hook up? Just if you hear something that resonates, you're like, yeah, that's right. God, I'm going to begin to pray about that as well. And you just corporately come in alignment and we pray together. All right, you ready to do this? All right, so it's 12 after right now. So let's just take a few minutes to pray. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus. We come together in this place right now, first of all, just recognizing you and worshiping and honoring you. God, we just thank you. God, you're so faithful. God, I pray right now that everyone in this place, that they would become so keenly aware of your voice, that we would become so hungry to draw close to you, to seek your face, to worship you, to spend time with you, to get into your presence, God. God, we just love you. We worship you. We honor you in this place. And so, God, we just yield ourselves. We open our hearts for direction of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that, Lord, you've given direction already. But, Lord, as we begin to pray, clarity will come. More will be given. More insight will be given in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just pray for the plans of this church. The plans that you have set forth. The plans that were assigned to this very place before the foundations of the world. God, we thank you for the very plans. The plans and the strategies. For the plans and the strategies go together, Lord. 
Their strategies are the revealing and the unfolding of the plan of how to accomplish and get done what is assigned to us. Yes, I thank you that, Lord, as the days go on and as the rest of this year continues to unfold, that clarity of the plan will become greater and greater. God, we've already known that you said at the beginning of this year, part of and one of the assignments of this church is to break the back of lack. And so, devil, we take authority over you right now. For I've seen your ugly head pop up ever since we've made that declaration. You've come against families. You've come against this church. You've messed with the finances. You've messed with people's health. And we say enough is enough. We're taking our place and we're putting you in your place now in Jesus' name. You cease and desist. And we thank you, God, that, Lord, we have and are breaking the back of lack. For it's not a natural opposition. It's a spiritual enemy. And so we thank you that the foe has been defeated. We've already won. The Bible says that you're underneath of our feet. For we've been seated far above all principalities and powers. So devil, you stop now in Jesus' name because we said so. I said because we said so, you listen and pay attention, mister. It's time that you stop. And so God, we thank you for the plan. We thank you for the strategies. We thank you for the strategies that you're unveiling and revealing to us as to how to bring that to fruition. Yeah, I thank you, Father, that there's partnerships. I don't know what they are, but there's partnerships that you're bringing to align with this church, that you're sending us to to align with them that will begin to facilitate the assignment. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I thank you for the increase. For the increase has come. For God, for any vision that you've given, you're going to provide the provision. I said where you have given vision, you will provide provision. So we thank you for the increase that's coming. I thank you for increase of every kind. I thank you for increase in just the number of families within our church. Not for the sake of saying, look at how big our church is. But God, the greater that we are, the bigger that we are, the greater the influence that we have to make your name great. So God, I thank you that families are coming. Help us know how to reach them. Yes, give us the plans and the strategies to reach new people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for there's an increase in the freedom and the liberty in this place to worship and to serve you. I thank you that, Lord, there's a greater anointing that is flowing in this place where we tangibly see God moving. For God, you're not playing games of hide and seek. You're the God that is the God of show and tell. And so, God, we thank you. Oh, we thank you that, Lord, you're moving freely in this place. Lord, in our kids' ministry, the kids' ministry is, is growing by leaps and bounds. We thank you that the Spirit of God is moving and touching the lives of those children right now. That they're coming to know you intimately and personally for themselves. That as they go home, God, they take the very love and the nature of God with them. And it changes a household. Oh, if they go into the school systems and revival breaks out into schools because we've got young children that are carrying the very nature and life and love of God in them. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for this outreach that's upon us that we're purposing to reach into this community. God, I thank you that, Lord, 
our church, our people have a heart to embrace and engage in this assignment. That it will be all hands on deck. That people will just fall over themselves just to be involved, just to be a part, just to change lives, just to love on people. God, I thank you that we don't just rationalize it and say, God, I don't have time to do that. It's not convenient to do that. But no, there's a want to on the inside. Oh, there's a want to of people that say, I want to serve this church. I want to serve these people. I want to serve this community. And therefore, we rally together and we come into great unity and agreement. For you said, Father, in your word, that when they come into agreement, that those that were uh, building the tower, that nothing could withstand them because of the agreement that they had. In fact, that's why you changed their vocabulary. Because it was their words that united them. It was their words that empowered them. And so, God, I pray for supernatural unity within this church that, Lord, we come together, that we're saying the same thing, that the vision is the same, that, God, we're echoing that which you say, and therefore it excites and ignites a fire on every single person just to see you move in this place. Lord, we, we declare that revival, there's a move of God that is hitting this place. There's a move of God that is hitting this place. Lord, I don't know what's going on in other churches. I don't know what's going on in those other places. But one thing that we do know is that, God, we're making room for you. God, we're giving you first place. We're allowing you to have your way. And so, God, we put, pray for and we declare that there is revival that is hitting this place. A move of God is hitting this place where, Lord, we're beginning to see great things as a result of the Spirit of God that moves freely in this place. The anointing is increasing. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 10, 27, it says that the anointing destroys the yoke and it removes the burdens from people's lives. So I thank you, Father, that there's an increase of your presence and your anointing in this place. That people stepping in to the very building itself, the anointing begins to love on them and envelop them and set them free. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, we glorify your name, Jesus. We thank you for that. Father, we pray for realignments of hearts. Realignments and redirecting. Oh, God, I thank you. Mm. Mm. God, one of the things that I've seen through the ages and through the years is that men have been poor examples and poor models of leading and being men of God. And so God, I thank you that one of the things that will be notable about this church is men of God that are on fire for God. That have such a hunger for the Word, have a hunger for your presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Father, that, Lord, men's hearts are burning. The distractions, the temptations, the division of loyalties. Oh, it's all coming into alignment, being redirected. Oh, thank you, Father. Ah, thank you, Father. Yep, yep, I see that, Lord. And as men in this church... Not just now, but in the days ahead. And those that are still on their way. 
There will be such a noticeable and notable thing that takes place in the heart of men. We'll see young men, young boys, rising up and taking their place. Just as mere children being used mightily by God. Yeah, I see that, God. Yet young boys not afraid to talk about Jesus. Young boys not afraid to pray for friends. And pray with confidence and expectation that when they pray, you show up. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so once again, Father, we thank you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. God, once again, I thank you for those that you've touched this last Sunday. Those that you ministered healing to in their bodies. I thank you that there's a continual restoration that is taking place. And I thank you, Father, that this place will be known. That if you have sickness, if you've got things that are ailing you, go to GVC because they believe in a God that does miracles. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, people come to know you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, can we worship God just a brief minute before we leave? Just with this music, just in your own way, you can just worship Him. Oh, we thank You, Lord. We worship You. We worship You, Lord. We love You, Jesus. We love You, Lord. We magnify your name. Jesus, you're so wonderful. You're so good to us. Oh, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. Jesus, you're so worthy. Worthy of all the praise. <laughs> oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We magnify your name. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. God, we just pray right now that, Lord, just from this night forward, as we release this service, that we would leave just sensing and knowing your presence. That as we wake up in the morning, we would sense you're just waiting, waiting for us. Thank you for the hunger in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Just before I let you go, obviously this is Wednesday. Sunday is our last day of prayer and fasting. (laughs) It's comical. 
kind of comical, kind of not. But just how you can come to church and you can make announcements and you can talk about what's going on. And people can sit there week after week and be clueless as to what's going on. And so this past week I was talking to somebody at the church. And again, so we've already been like two weeks into it, into the prayer and fasting. And they said, hey, you want to go get something? I said, no. I said, we got the fast. You know, I said, I'm not doing that. He says, you're fasting? I said, I said, yeah. He said, what you fasting for? I said, well, don't you know we're doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting at church? Really? <laughs> I'm like, where have you been, man? We've only been talking about it. There's, there's signs up, announcements. I mean, so anyways, that's just people. <laughs> but here's my encouragement to you in these next few days. Just endeavor to press into God. Just spending quality time with Him. Whether it's fasting the TV and that time you, you fast the television, just read your Bible, spend time praying. I'm encouraged by some that they say, man, I've been getting up in the morning at 5 o'clock, whatever, or somewhere around there, and just spending time with God. Well, that's a discipline, isn't it? Getting up at 5 o'clock? I didn't tell them I was getting up at 3 a.m. I didn't tell them that because I'm not doing it. I just said. <laughs> Anyways, so praise God. Let's finish strong. If you haven't, then just put an effort towards it. And I just believe that God's doing too much. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life